everyone, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley, and I am joined by Marty Agather. Marty, what's going on, man? Not too much. What's our episode number here? This is going to be 28. 28. I love it. Um, howdy, everybody. Marty Agather. TrustedChoice.com and Agency Nation. Coming at you. <laughs> You're in a very official mood today. Uh, just so everyone knows, about half hour before we do the show, we kind of uh, exchange articles and talk about, you know, which one of, you know, we're always kind of trading articles about the, what we want to talk about throughout the week. But then about half hour before the show, we figure out which one of those articles and we usually pick two of them. We'll use as kind of a framework of the overall conversation. It just helps keep your mind in a, in a good, uh, coherent path though. Even then we rarely stay on it. Um, Marty's in a very official mood. I did not have a marketing article for today and it was just burning his buns and uh and then he comes out with his full <laughs> job title which is uh which is interesting so i like to see that though after our last episode i, I like to see uh, i like to see very professional upbeat um productive uh happy um full job title marty absolutely nothing but the best man <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. I uh, found a really great study um, from PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC. It is called the, hold on, let me scroll back up to the top so I have it right, Opportunities Await, How InsureTech is Reshaping Insurance. This is a global fintech survey, June 2016, uh, and we are going to scroll down to... Uh, one of the subsections here, which I, we both found to be incredibly interesting, and I'm just going to read the uh, first paragraph as a lead-in to this idea that we're going to discuss here in the first part of the show, which is, uh, the subhead is, learning to surf innovation waves while insurers recognize the importance of most insure-tech-related trends. They focus on commonly adopted ones and are still less responsive to other emerging waves of innovation. So what this means is that though in general, the, the insurance market, and this survey is done globally, so this isn't just the U.S. market, uh, just, just so we're clear on that. Uh, in general, insurers are... Yes, they're looking at insure tech. I just wrote an article last week on P2P insure tech. I did a lot of research for that. I find it to be incredibly interesting. Uh, I find all this technology-related startups and just you know companies like American Family Ventures creating you know which is the VC, the venture capital arm, the investment arm uh, for American Family Insurance, where they're starting to make bets in some of these startup companies and new technologies. That though. Insurers see those as coming disruptions potentially. Uh, ultimately, there are other trends, other innovative trends in the industry that uh, have captured their attention more. So um, we'll share, obviously, we're going to share this survey and where you can, or this study, where you can get it yourself. And I'm going to try to pull out this image. Uh, if you go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast and find episode number 28, you will uh, be able to see this. Um, but Marty, take us into um, the first one of these trends that that caught your eye, because I, I kind of wanted to dissect these. Um, we spend a lot of time on insure tech and kind of that kind of stuff, but this is these are different, yet maybe even more likely trends to to disrupt what we do on a day to day basis as uh, as independent agents. Yeah, I, well, 
I mean, you identified one that I think is getting a lot of press right now and, and is sort of uh, the topic du jour, and that's peer-to-peer insurance. Um, we've, we've discussed it before on this podcast. As you said, you wrote a very um, well-researched uh, article on that uh, on, on the blog last week. And, but, you know, usage-based insurance is something that, you know, we, we've also touched a little bit. Uh, there was that app uh, that we talked a little bit about. I don't remember exactly what the, well, tr- truly, uh, not truly, a Trugo. Trove. Trove, yeah, perfect. And um, so usage-based insurance, I think, you know, for us, a unique thing or or maybe a, an innovative thing because the industry historically has has sort of been in a um, purchase once uh, comprehensively and I don't want to say forget it, but that's what I'm going to say. Purchase and forget, right? And um, whereas this usage-based insurance is... Uh, Hey, the only time that potentially my mountain bike could be uh, get stolen is when I go to the big uh, mountain bike festival, you know, for a week. So maybe I just buy the insurance for my mountain bike for that week and I don't schedule it. It might be a fairly expensive uh, uh, piece of hardware. And I don't schedule it on my homeowner's policy for the uh, balance of the year. So um, I think this is a real opportunity for the industry. Uh, number one, because it's 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 thinking about things in a completely different way than we've ever thought about them. But it's also there's probably a ton of premium there too. Yeah, you know, I don't think that the I'm going to call them traditional incumbent insurance carriers will be ready for usage based insurance until we remove our reliance on traditional policy forms and how they're filled out. Uh, I was actually talking to an agent at one of the recent conferences I was at. It was not Florida, which is an amazing conference. I was, I was just at a couple days ago. Um, but, oh, geez, it was, it was maybe a month or so ago, and it's going to kill me, and I'm going to move on because it's terrible radio for me to sit here and try to think about it. But uh, they were talking about how in order to write business with this uh, one particular carrier, which they did a lot of business with because it's a great carrier. You know what I mean? They take care of their clients. They got great pricing and all that kind of stuff. They take care of their agents. But in order to get a quote for this uh, series of personal lines coverages, they had to fill out a form. Then they couldn't just move the data over. They had to refill out another form and then refill out another form. And I know that some of the larger national carriers uh, specifically, personal lines focused carriers have have gotten more automated. But with this type of stuff, it's got to be homeowners policy. You know, I have a homeowners policy with Carrier X, golf clubs for my three day trip to Myrtle Beach. Three days, it's an additional seventeen dollars for those three days. Except it's added to the bill. Move on, right? It can't be okay. You need to have you sign this, and you, you know, it just we have to move past some of those things. Uh, in order for the traditional incumbents to ever take this on. That's my personal opinion. I think it's absolutely an opportunity. I think it's there. Um, I see the need for it. I see the consumer desire for it, right? If we're thinking about building products that people actually want versus about building a product and then shoving it on consumers, I think this is a product that consumers want, that they'll buy into, that makes sense to them in terms of how their life actually works. I know I don't, I don't put my golf clubs on my homeowner's insurance policy like as a scheduled item. 
But if I were taking a three-day trip to Myrtle Beach, would I buy for $17 or $30 coverage for those three days? I think that I might, I might do that. So let's, let's talk about just, just that very specific thing, all right? What sort of technology would be needed in order to support that? Because as you say, it can't be the model that we're used to. So I'm seeing something where a carrier identifies um, all of these ancillary, let's call them personal lines products just for now, okay? yep. sporting goods and, and maybe musical instruments. Okay, that's going to be our limited focus. We're going to identify every possible um, item that falls into those things. We are going to figure out pricing for each of those. And maybe maybe it varies if it's the, the golf clubs are different than the water skis are different than the saxophone, right? But then we load up, is it a mobile app? I don't know if that it's a website, but somehow we've got to be able to give the consumer the ability to go in and literally, we've got an image of that product, they hit a checkbox and they check out and we take payment right there, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's how simple it's gotta be yeah. or else it just ain't gonna happen. Yeah. I 100% agree. 100% agree. I, I think it's an application. I don't think it has to be, a, you know, mobile only. I think it could be a web app or, you know, you could, you could download. If you do it a lot, maybe there is an application version of it. I mean, the God's honest truth is creating a web app is like a $700 endeavor. Now, connecting it to their back end is what's going to cost a lot of money and, and take time, especially with some of the legacy systems that we're dealing with with these carriers. But, but again, if you're looking at this, uh, from an from a incumbent standpoint, and you're thinking, how do we start to better align our product with the with what our consumers actually want? I think that usage based insurance is 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 a low hanging fruit opportunity. I think it would be easy to market. It's understandable. It's relatable. The pricing is such that you know it's you know Marty. We talk about. Um, we talk about things like uh, Facebook's boost button, right? We call it the crack button, right? You hit that boost mm -hmm. button once and, man, oh, a thousand more people saw my post than had seen it, that would normally seen it. I'm going to hit it again and I'm going to hit it again. And um, just like the monkey in the little cage, right? right? Yeah, or the rat who's got the <laughs> antennas attached to his, uh, you know? Um, so it, it, you know, so we're always talking about that. And this type of thing fits in perfectly, especially for business travelers. I mean, think of, Think if you're a 25-year-old who rents an apartment in Manhattan and you travel a lot for work, right? So you don't have a family yet, you don't have kids, so you're on the road and you want to bring your golf clubs on a trip or um, you have uh, a, an instrument that you like to bring because you're spending two weeks someplace and you're a musician and you, and, or just all these different things. You're going home to visit your family and you want to bring back uh, you know, this item or that item or you're bringing more of your clothes or you have a designer shoe set or whatever, you have an expensive handbag. I mean, all of these are reasons why for a short period of time, you would be willing to pay an additional, I don't know, maybe for something simple, it's 15 bucks, for something big, it's, it's 200 bucks. And, over, and you build that into the culture of how people buy. I still think the renter's insurance policy, the homeowner's insurance policy, I think they still have to be there. I don't think that this would make sense on a stage where I have no insurance with your company, and I'm just going to pay $15 one time to insure my trombone, right? I don't think that makes any sense, uh, or at least not. I don't think that would be gen one of what this product would look like. But if I was envisioning it working for, for an incumbent carrier, I would start to look at this as to have to be a current client, have to have that over, you know, I'd want that liability in place. 
I'd want a um, baseline set of coverage for property. You know, standard renters of policy is what ten thousand in property, um, a hundred thousand homeowners, whatever it is. You, You take that, and then you can add in these items that you know, like you would never schedule. I would never schedule my golf clubs, right? So the only way to get all peril replacement cost on my golf clubs is to schedule them. And it's probably cost me 250 bucks to do that a year. I don't want to pay 250 bucks a year to schedule my golf clubs, but on a trip to Myrtle beach for that same coverage for three days, I would certainly pay $30. And, um, I, I'm going to come at you slightly different. I, while I agree that that would be the approach that many of the carriers that might be listening to our podcast today would take. I'm going to tell you that I think that I think that the real threat out there is that somebody that comes up with the concept that says, you know what, 17 bucks at a crack times, you know, a hundred thousand a month that turns into real money. And, um, yeah, but and, they're, and, and, and they set themselves up to just do that. And, and, and suddenly they're in the marketplace and they're they're addressing a need, right? I worry about the underwriting, though. See, the thing that all these companies I I feel like tend to forget is that underwriting is not easy. I mean, look at how many over the look at how many companies have have either been bought uh, or had or been taken over or had to sell or just fallen apart because they couldn't figure out the underwriting, right? Because their loss ratios went through right? the roof. They got too aggressive. They made bad bets. What have you? I mean, this is not easy stuff. And I feel like what outsiders, when they look at the products that we sell, they go, oh, it's just, you know, it's just insurance. We're just going to give them insurance. And it's like they're giving you $1,000 a year and you're taking on a million dollars in liability. You got to be, you got to know what you're doing in order to make that happen. So I, I think the one off, I think I could see someone getting small traction, but it just, from an underwriting standpoint, I find it hard to believe that that's a sustainable model unless you have that underlying coverage and you have a better idea of what's going on. Um, well, there are there are a couple of companies in Europe that are that are running this model specifically. So um, maybe that's something. Maybe that's something we should uh, do a little bit of research and kind of talk about yeah, what's going on. My understanding of those state. companies is it's just is that their user bases are still relatively small and it's just too early to tell if it'll be successful or not. And plus, I I don't think you can compare the European market with over here. I mean, just look at Google Compare, right? I mean, nothing against Google Compare, but, uh, you know, we knew the people there and uh, and they were smart and they were, and I think to a certain extent, they had a very uh, good um, idea, but they took a model that worked really well in the UK and it got obliterated here. I, I just... I don't believe that you can take – I'm not saying things won't work that work in Europe here, but I'm just saying you. I don't think we can broadly take the idea and say it's working in Europe. It's going to work in the U.S. I just – I don't think we can do that. I, no, I would agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. Okay. Let's, let's move on to uh, – let's move on to another one because there's actually 11 of these, and we've spent 15 minutes talking about one. Um, I want to talk about one, and Marty, I'd really like to get your thoughts on this. This is one I don't know if we've ever actually – talked about before i don't even know if you and i have ever talked about this before uh but it has but it is um definitely something that's coming it's uh, companies are starting to test it and it's the idea of uh in this in this article they call it holistic advice but essentially what they're talking about is robo advisors what do you think about robo advisors i think that this is so this is this is the proverbial double-edged sword there are a lot of people who are going to look at this and they're going to go, 
wow, this is a real threat to me because I am the expert, right? The flip side of that is I think what it does is it it allows what the consumer is really looking for, which is to do as much self-education as they can and then make a purchase decision. So I think that this is a very powerful tool um, for carriers and for agencies to provide more effective self-service customer service. The question is, how do we take that and then turn that into buying opportunities uh, where we actually uh, get the customer to commit based upon the research that they've done and actually pull the trigger? So let me give you a real-world example of what a robo-advisor might look like. And just, just in case the, the term robo-advisor has, has gone over anyone's head, that, that's completely fine. Um, what we're talking about is algorithms, computers, you know, not, not actual robots, though I guess there could be a, you know, you could use a robot to personify uh, the programming behind it, giving advice. To, and and uh, at some point, and this is the vision that some people have, though I, I, we're still a ways away from this, uh, selling the policies and being actual advisors. And that to a certain extent, what they're saying is that the experience and the intuition of a human being is not necessarily, it's, it's not necessary to the transaction as a whole. So let's talk about what this could actually look like in application today, because there are real world tools that, that carriers should be using and that agents could if I think they were at a certain level of sophistication. And I don't mean that in any negative connotation. I mean, I mean, you have to really be dialed into digital access availability, really dialed in to take this kind of thing on. Um, this, uh, this is way, way out there. You, if you did what I'm about to describe, you are cutting edge, bleeding it. You know, you're, you're way out there. So um, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to throw two examples at you that will make this real. and hopefully blow your mind. I didn't even get to give my example yet. Oh, okay, go. <laughs> my example is Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger recently came out with um, an update that allows you to write bots. Bots are just little computer programs, uh, so don't get too caught up on that word. Uh, what that means is you can have people write code for your Facebook Messenger so that's the one-to-one -one communication where if someone types something in, this bot returns the message as if it's you. So it's in, but it, so it's, it's learning and adapting to what, to questions that people are asking and how you could do this today is if you had, and again, this is why I said sophistication. If you had a very active Facebook page where you had built a culture around your clients where using Facebook Messenger was a completely acceptable way to, to communicate and ask questions and transact business, which I do think you should be moving towards. Again, I, I hear I hear you know underwriters all across the country screaming in fear. Yes, and um, they need to wake up and understand that everything can't be done the way that it used to be done, and that we have to adapt to this stuff. Um, I you know lawyers they all have a place. Uh, sometimes I worry that they're a bit of fear mongers to a certain extent, but um, but that's a conversation for a different day. So, for, first of all, Facebook Messenger is just as trackable. Just to, you you can capture the information the same exact way that you would email. So you would you use this the same way that you would think about email, um, and you can build all this into the bot, right? So if you had frequently asked questions like, "Can I use credit card to pay my premiums?" 
the bot returns the answer. You don't have to have a human being there, right? So you could even take all the questions that could potentially cause an E&O concern out, just your operational things like what are your hours? How do I get a hold of you? What's your phone number? All these questions that you would have to have a human being sitting there responding to all day long, which, which is time and effort. And you could have a bot answer all those questions for you. And the people on the other end would think that it's you. And that is a Gen 1, very generic way to use robo-advice um, to help increase your customer experience. And it's something that you could do today. Okay, right. Marty. So, so, so my first one, just to give everybody an example that makes perfect sense, is something that I would bet every one of our listeners has used. And that's Amazon. Amazon uses this same concept to say, oh, you bought this book. Here's another one you might like, right? But I'm going to go one step deeper, Ryan. I'm going to say something, hopefully, and blow your mind. You know what? Trustedchoice.com has the appetite engine. And isn't that sort of a nascent step in this direction? It is. It, I, I, think, I think it is a step in that direction. Absolutely. I would agree with you that um, these type of algorithms, though, Again, I think nascent is the right word there because it's very, very, very baseline level for what we're talking about. But why don't you describe it? The appetite engine? Yeah. Oh, so the appetite engine is Trusted Choice's proprietary technology, which connects insurance consumers, the people that are coming to our site, with independent insurance agents who are subscribed to our site. And uh, in that way, we're able to connect people who have a specific need with an agent who is interested and has the capabilities to write that specific need in their town or in a region very close to them. So um, if, for example, if, for example, you, the agent, uh, put in your profile that you like to write bonds and the consumer comes in looking for a bid bond, then we match those two uh, individuals, the consumer and the agency, because we know the agency has a proclivity to write. Yeah. So again, this is early stage stuff, but the idea is is without human beings use it, you know, helping consumers improve their customer experience, the 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 experience they have and getting them to a place where again, all this technology is used as a way to introduce the agent at the proper time. And if done correctly, the experience flows naturally and makes complete sense. Uh, if done improperly, or if there's obstacles in the way, or it's done in an antiquated or analog way, it, or, you know, which is opposite to what uh, that consumer is looking for, then it creates fits and starts, and ultimately, um, you know, a, a, a negative a negative perception of the human being that they actually end up talking to, even if that person is the genius insurance agent, right? If it has taken all this work and it's been clunky to get there, then when they look at that person, they're not thinking, oh, wow, I now have the most experienced, best insurance agent ever. They're going, oh, my God, I can't believe it took so long and all this work, and I had to think about this, and I had to do this, and then I had to drive here and come down and sit at this person's desk. I don't even care what they have to say. What's the number for State Farm? Right? Like, that's, that's where they're at. So, um, so this is really good stuff. So I, I want to move on because I want to hit a couple. Um, I want to do a quick uh, a quick se segment on marketing. This is a great list. We could even come back to this. There are things like the blockchain that I would love to talk about on here. Um, you know, self-directed services. There there's a lot of really cool stuff on this list. Just to get your mind going, 
Um, but again, we'll have this uh, we'll have this study up on Agency Nation, agencynation.com forward slash podcast, and then look for episode number 28, and you'll get uh, access to this. Uh, Price Waterhawks Cooper's um, very, very well done survey, and I like the way that they pulled out uh, the information. And, you know, one of the things I like about PwC and, and the surveys and stuff that they do in general is that uh, I feel like they do come at them with a very non-biased or... Um, and not that they would have bias, but just they, they, they take a very pragmatic view on the topics. And I, and I do like some of the stuff that they pull out of it. So anytime you see something from PricewaterhouseCoopers as it relates to the insurance industry, um, you know, give, give it a look if the, if the topic is interesting. So, all right, let's move on to an article by John Loomer. John Loomer is like the Facebook master guru, ninja rock star in like the most positive way. Uh, this is a guy who I, who I know pretty well. He's, he's, he's a buddy of mine. Um, I actually used to work for the NBA and uh, was, was either let go or just they were having some reductions in the apartment he was working in. And uh, this is probably like five or six years ago now. Um, and and he, he had to find something to do. And he started helping people with Facebook marketing as like a side thing because that was part of what his role was at the NBA. And he is now. That's twice you've used that. I have no idea what you're talking about. The NBA. The NBA, the National Basketball oh, Association. NBA. Where I got it. The yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers just won. Uh, just yeah, won last night. Congratulations last to the Cavaliers. Yeah, and, and all the people of Cleveland and. Uh, Good friend of the show, Joey Giangola, who we know is an incredibly big Cleveland Cavaliers fan. So um, I'm I'm bitter as a Buffalo fan because they kept saying Cleveland is this city that has no championships and blah blah blah. And it's like try being a Bills fan. I don't care. Um, I don't feel bad for you. Okay, so uh, there's an article. We're going to put it in here. Um, it is basically John breaking down the 2016 F8 conference, which is Facebook's. Um, basically where they, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, our Steve jobs used to get up every year and kind of address everyone about what's going on at Apple. This is Facebook's version of that same thing. And, uh, there's some really cool, and it's called, uh, the title of the post is F8 2016. It's a good time to be a publisher on Facebook. And when he says publisher, he's talking about you and your, uh, your agency Facebook page. Now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a very, very brief exposition because some of you may have missed this, but six or seven years ago, Facebook was all the rage for good reason. It was an incredible place to build an audience, uh, capture people's attention, draw them into your agency. Most of you did not do that. That's okay. Six or seven years ago, the fact that the magic box, like you could actually get consumers out of the magic box was... Um, what was scary to a lot of agents. I get that. It seemed like black magic. Right, yeah, like the key thing, they didn't really, and you, there's people in there, and they're real people. That was like a whole thing, and I'm being. They're all, I'm, they're all tire kickers. I'm being overly, I'm being, I'm being a little inflammatory. That's okay. Um, but so what happened was about three years ago, Facebook took something called reach, which was if you published a post, its ability to go out and show up in the people who've liked your page newsfeed, right? And they dialed that back. So where at one time, if you published a post, about 40% of the people who liked your page would see that article. 
it went it you know there's been numbers quoted you know between two and six percent yeah can i can i can i be yes uh yes. match your inflammatoriness maybe instead of reach they should have called it contraction <laughs> yeah. constriction yeah so so the whole the whole the whole point of this what what ryan's trying to say is it was a money play what they said is we don't want you to be able to reach your audience at no charge so they restricted how Many of your followers would see what you were doing and your fans, right? Your fans. And, um, and with the intent that the way you would broaden that would be by purchasing paid uh, placement. Yes. I'm going to play advocate for Facebook just a little tiny bit because I do think that when we make it seem like such a scam that it almost like disenfranchises people to using Facebook. And that's the opposite of what I want to have happen here. Um, yes, it was a money play to a certain extent. This is around the same time that Facebook went public and they had to monetize their business. Um, so yes, to a certain extent, Marty is correct. The other piece of this is so much content is published inside of Facebook that they also had to find a way to throttle it. And spammers, people who had no real in good, you know, do not have good intentions, were finding ways of just infiltrating. They would publish a hundred times a day and just shove your newsfeed full of crap. Well, your newsfeed today in Facebook is most likely a fairly good representation of the things that you are interested in. Yes, there may be the occasional um, ad that you didn't want where someone's targeting you or your interests or. Uh, but, but but most of the crap in your feed is from your friends, and that's a choice in your friends, not a choice in what Facebook is doing. <laughs> a, a drunk post from your 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 yeah, marginal political or religious or you know all that stuff. That's your friends. That's not Facebook. So <laughs> your Facebook feed today is 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 a hundred x, a thousand x better than it was before they started doing these paid ads because the thought process was. You're not going to pay for something that's complete crap, right? The people who and, pay are more likely to be people who are very legitimate businesses who are trying to reach an audience. And, and, and more importantly, I think that what they were trying to do was this, that, that, uh, that trend that you refer to was potentially um, a, a bad thing for their users. Because in the same way that Google constantly updates its algorithms so that when you do a search, you get the best possible results. Facebook didn't want your stream filled with crap because why? Then you don't go on Facebook you because go you go, that's Facebook. a waste of time. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. So, so what I'm going to say to you is that uh, so reach was way up at 40%, and then they dialed it way, way down. The, what the number is doesn't matter. Dialed it way back. Well, I can tell you from work we're doing at Agency Nation and, and some other uh, um, Facebook pages that I work with, reach is starting to come back. You can start to reach more of your audience. And I think what it is is that huge reduction in reach kind of called out some of the, some of the, the, the bad players, right? The people that, that were just there for purposes other than adding value to Facebook users. And... What we found on Agency Nation in particular, we have fit over 1,500 fans on our Facebook page, and we're getting, in some cases, on average, about 25% reach, and in some cases, we have posts that reach half of our audience, completely organic. That means just shared in, no boosting, no paying, reaching half our audience. Not on every post, but it does occasionally happen, and what I'm telling you is, I think when you focus on quality, and you understand how Facebook operates, what its purpose is, and you really think about it, 
Um, and you play by their rules, right? There are best practices to this stuff. Well, when you play me, by their rules, me... you, that Facebook pages are becoming, once again, an incredibly important part of a digital marketing strategy for an independent insurance agency. I want to ask a question here. Yep. Um, we know that we know that Google monitors interaction, right? That's one of the things that they use as a determinant of, you know, how the quality of your page. Do people actually interact with it? Do you think that Facebook is doing the same thing? So hundred percent. We put yeah. So if we push out, if we push out an article that is roundly ignored versus we push out consistently articles that people click on and spend some time with, that then tells Google, hey, these guys are not the bad actors Facebook, that you were talking about. Facebook, yes. Yes. Yep. They are not the bad actors that um that you were mentioning before. These guys actually have quality and so therefore we can expand the reach for their for their for their posts. One hundred percent. So we do we use tools like uh, Facebook Live, which is now uh, you basically can do live video from your phone uh, directly into your Facebook page. We do this a lot. Sydney does it. I do it. We talk about topics like SEO, marketing. I was talking about the value of attention the other day. And you get, you know, we get anywhere from 15 to 40 people on live. If we do a little bit of promotion, we've had as many as uh, 250 at one time, 250 people watching live. Now, Facebook looks at that and they say, oh, wow, people really, when these guys post, people take action. Like you said, they like, they read comments, they engage, they share. And that says, we want, you know, if, if that's the case, then we want to show their content more. You can do the same exact thing with your agency's Facebook page. It's going to take some thought and some work, and I'm not saying it's easy, and it's going to take some practice, but I don't think there was a time two or three years ago where I would say, just ignore your Facebook page. It's not even worth working on anymore. That time has changed, and it's now time to, to re-engage. So let's talk about a few of the tools that came out. And again, we're going to have this article with all these tools listed on it, agencynation.com forward slash podcast, episode number 28. Here are a few of those tools that I think that I think you should be considering in your articles. So couple couple things here. The very first one is something called instant articles. This is a way, so what this does is it, if it sucks your article out of your site and it directly into Facebook, so when someone clicks on that article, immediately pops up. When I'm talking like faster than you can snap your fingers pops up, it's incredibly fast. It gives people an incredible user experience. It's easy to read on mobile and it really is a powerful tool. The disadvantage to it is people do not go to your website. So it will not register in your Google Analytics if someone reads a Facebook instant article. Here is what you have to think about in your head. What is more important, that my audience sees my content they see that I'm well-versed in a topic, they get the message, or that I get another check mark in my Google Analytics account. And I would say that for purposes of growing your business and your sales, it is infinitely more important that someone you know, sees the message, it's, it's well-formatted, it makes sense, um, and they can quickly get through it versus clicking that button. And as any of you have ever clicked on an article, inside of Facebook, it can take up to seven or eight seconds for that article to actually load. And um, this is Facebook's way of, of removing that time, that, that the amount of load time that it takes. So this might sound uh, advanced or something that's really hard to do. If you're on a WordPress site, which guys, uh, if you're running an independent insurance agency today and you're not on WordPress, I mean, 
it's time to reconsider what you're doing. Um, WordPress is just so inexpensive, and with literally uh, one click, uh, you can add a plugin to your WordPress website that allows instant articles to work. So hang on, let's not let's not get that technical. WordPress is so straightforward and easy to use that a dog long in the tooth like me can use it. All yes, right, and, so and Marty that, does. That, that's that's the real key yeah. to WordPress. It's it has taken web development and web maintenance. And and maybe you don't you say, you know what, I'm a busy insurance professional. I don't have time to make my own website. Cool. Pay somebody to make your website. But guess what? Once it's made, now you can maintain it. I would never have built the Agency Nation website on my own. But you know what? I damn sure can go in there and write blog posts and post them. Yep. And, and so if you have questions about this, we actually have some approved vendors, which we spend a lot of time vetting, and we're happy to pass their names along to you. Just email us if you're interested. Um, absolutely no problem. These are people that we work with every single day. And, uh, you know, you work with them, don't work with them, but they're quality people who will give you straightforward advice. Um, but WordPress, if you're struggling or thinking about a new platform, don't go for some all-in-one marketing system that, that you know, is built on some funky technology that only that person can fix. So if they ever go out of business, you're screwed. Uh, WordPress is great because you, it's, there are 10 million people that can help you. Now, all of them aren't amazing at what they do. You got to find the good ones. But what I'm saying is it's cheap. It's easy. It's quick. There are many people that can help you. You'll never be stuck with one vendor. And that's why I'm just such a strong advocate for it. And, and um, absolutely. And, and, and more importantly, because it's so widespread, there are lots of people, developers out there who are building cool little add-in yep. tools. And that's exactly where Ryan was going before. Yeah. Derailed Which is just a little tiny. Yeah. Before we went off on this tangent, this, this, to add this functionality is literally just one of those little tools. You just pop it into your site and it works. That's, that's how easy it is. I mean, it's literally like three button clicks and you could have this functionality if you want it. Uh, okay. So a couple other ones and we'll go through these quick because we're getting kind of long here. You can embed Facebook posts. We do this with our Facebook live videos. So we, we'll, we do the videos live and then we turn them into blog posts on our site later by embedding the Facebook post right into a blog article on Agency Nation. And again, this is two button clicks. And you, know, you copy and paste a little bit of code. If, if that sounds too uh, intense for you, um, whoever you pay to do this kind of stuff, whatever it costs you for, for four button clicks, and they can do this for you, four button clicks. I'm talking it's click, 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 enter, and you have a Facebook post Done. embedded on your website that you can send people to to watch. If they don't want to go to Facebook or they don't use Facebook, and it's just another way to repurpose that content, um, Facebook has put a lot of effort into embedding the posts, and it also gets people to engage more with your Facebook post, which helps elevate your Facebook, uh, which helps elevate your Facebook page in general. So again, another bonus. All right, <clears throat> talking about a couple more of these, we just talked about embedding live videos, comments. You know, I know that your agency website probably doesn't get a ton of comments. If it does get a ton of comments, if you do get a lot of comments, Facebook comments is a good play, is a good tool to use. There are pros and cons to it, um, but Facebook is continuing to they're they're continuing to improve the commenting functionality and how that operates. Um, and I and I think that if if Facebook is a priority for you and you do get comments on your website, consider using Facebook comments. It's it's not just a it's not as cut and dry, but essentially. 
it's a good way to enhance the engagement that your content gets on Facebook, like I said, if you get comments. So there are a couple more here that I want to talk about. The, the last thing that you, know, you really want to take advantage of with Facebook is Facebook Insights, which is the analytics that Facebook has about what's going on in your page. And you can get some really amazing stuff out of this, like the ages, the, the, the all types of demographics, like the sex, uh, age, interests. So are people who are incredibly interested in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, are people who are incredibly interested in the NBA, the ones who are commenting the most, which may mean that you have a, you're, um, you're heavily involved in sports and, and all this stuff, and, and somehow that's playing out in the engagement that's going on in your site. Well, th- what that tells you is start to create content which talks about insurance with a sports or even a basketball feel, and that's going to draw more of these people into your page because those are the type of people that, that you work with. And just diving into the analytics of this stuff, it, it, it sounds like a lot, and you're going, oh, my God, Ryan, I'm so busy all day. How do I have time to do this? You know, while you're, you put the kids to bed, you pop this open, you spend 15 minutes looking through it and see who the people are that are coming to your page and, and what's happening with them, you know, before you put Real Housewives of Orange County on, right? So it, 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 this kind of stuff, taking just a few minutes to dive into these insights, and again, these are improving so much. I mean, we're talking, they rival Google Analytics, just not as confusing, but they tell you this is what the people are interested in. I mean, that is solid gold. It's something you absolutely should be looking into, and uh, it will help you create better content because it'll show you this is the, these are the interests of people who are engaging more with my content on Facebook, and, uh, and that's just that's getting insights that help you take your content to the next level. Yeah, I, there's, there's no doubt that lots can be learned by looking at your analytics. I mean, one of the things that you can learn, actually, is what you're doing that's not working. But you said something. You said something before that uh, I think bears repeating, or at least drawing out a little bit. And that is, you said, you know, maybe uh, two or three years ago, I would have suggested that you not put a lot of time into Facebook. And now I've sort of, you know, resurrected my my opinion, our opinion on this whole topic. Um, I just want to encourage people to think of this. You know, this is not scary and it can never be changed kind of things. You can experiment with this. And if it if it doesn't go well, it's not the end of the world. I mean, obviously there's some critical mistakes that you don't want to do, but on on the whole, if you're being respectful, if you're posting good content, um trying one of these communities, Facebook being a very, very great opportunity, is not an end of your agency type of decision. It's literally go out there, play a little bit, and see what happens. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It you know, we in general, you know, we just we want to make sure that we are always thinking about this with a testing mindset, right? <laughs> just think about them as these little micro tests. Put some content out there, see what happens. Um, again, quality matters. There's so much that can go into this, but you don't have to bite that huge chunk off at the beginning. I'm, I, we're throwing out ideas. I'm talking about ideas. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years now, so sometimes my mind goes too far. Marty's good about pulling me back. But take little tiny bites, little tiny bites. Okay, we're going to try this, and 
I'll, let's look at the analytics. Oh, not that much is happening. Okay, let's try something else. Let's look at the, oh, wow, there's 17 people from my hometown uh, who are interested in the local NFL team or are interested in local politics. Okay, so let's, let's put a little spin on that. Let's see what happens. Wow, now it's 50 people that are interested in that topic have started to, to engage and see this post. And, and it's these little bites that you take over time. It might be a year from now until you're really comfortable with this platform. But if once or twice a week you're diving in, um, and, and getting involved and posting something and, and realizing that the best content production tool that has ever been created is the smartphone sitting in your pocket. You can do everything from your smartphone, and um, that includes doing pre-recorded videos, doing live videos, test uh, uh, post updates, sharing links, sharing images. All that stuff can be done right from your phone, uh, so, which means you can do it anywhere. You can do it on the road. And, um, and just start testing things and just spend a little bit of time once a week, once every other week, looking at those analytics and seeing what's happening and if you can define any trends out of it. Uh, I expect none of you to be experts on this tomorrow. But with good concerted effort a year from now, you could be pulling serious business out of Facebook. Um, it's just I see it as that big of an opportunity for independent agents who, who dive into this and, and, again, just make it part of their process, another tool in their tool belt, but are consistent with it. So, Marty, uh, we have been at this for longer than usual today. That's okay. Lots of really good stuff. Uh, great conversation. Uh, talked about a lot of fun things. I always like talking about the trends and stuff like that, and, uh, and obviously marketing is, is what we do for a living. So uh, any closing thoughts before we get out of here, man? Uh, I think that we've, we've, we've used up quite a bit of time. Let's rock and roll. Okay, so two things. I got two quick things. One, keep your eyes open for Agency Nation University. Uh, for a few different technical reasons, we had to push the beta launch back to August. So it was supposed to be in June. We're pushing it back two months. I apologize for that. It is mostly my fault. I have never built a learning system, a course system of this size and stature. And the tool that we originally purchased for this project just was not big enough. And so we've had to kind of retool and, and that's pushed us back a little bit of time. Um, but I'm still very excited about this. I hope that you guys will stick with us. I know a lot of people have pre-registered already. Go to agencynation.com forward slash university dash launch. I know that's kind of a crappy URL, university dash launch, or just click the university button at the very top of Agency Nation, and uh, you can register for updates. But again, we had to push that back uh, for some technical reasons, and, um, but we think ultimately the product will be that much better, um, and, I, and I know you guys are going to enjoy that, and I, and I really am I'm chomping at the bit to get it out, but... Uh, I'm just, I am erring on the side of kind of doing this right versus, uh, versus pushing something out that I think ultimately will leave you guys wanting. And, uh, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing is, um, we've been hinting at a guest host coming in, uh, on a semi-regular basis as part of the show. We're very excited about that. And we had kind of our last finalizing call, uh, on Friday. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm gonna keep you guys guessing, but, um, uh, executive from a big technology company in our space. Uh, I think it'll be a great voice, great perspective, different from um, different from Marty and myself, uh, who will occasionally come in and and uh, share his insights. And uh, I, I think uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. And yeah, so with that, we are going to get out of here for Marty. We're out.